Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. On our program today, Conservatives in Crisis. I pledge my support and unwavering loyalty to our next leader. After ousting their leader, Aaron O'Toole, what direction will the Conservative Party go? Do the divisions go deeper than Aaron O'Toole? New interim leader Candace Bergen is a supporter of the trucker protest, but is she using it for political gain? We'll speak to former leadership contender MP Marilyn Gladue and Conservative MP Dr. Stephen Ellis. Plus, we'll get reaction from the former Conservative Cabinet Minister James Moore, and then convoy chaos. As protests against COVID-19 mandates continue to occupy the nation's capital and slow down cross-border traffic between Alberta and the U.S., are there any solutions to resolve the demonstrations and how do governments face growing discontent over restrictions? We'll ask the Minister of Public Safety, Marco Mendicino, and we'll also ask NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. The trucker convoy that drove into the nation's capital with a call for the Prime Minister to resign and end all vaccine mandates may have helped lead to the downfall of another leader. In a stunning move, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was forced to resign after a decisive caucus vote on Wednesday to replace him. During his 17-month tenure, Mr. O'Toole flip-flopped on a number of key issues, including his support for the trucker protest and their fight against vaccine mandates. It's a cause many prominent Conservative MPs are publicly cheering on, including their new interim leader, Candace Bergen. As for that protest that is now over a week long, organizers are defiant. They say they are not leaving until all the restrictions are lifted. Meantime, other protests have now emerged in cities like Toronto and Quebec City. To get the latest on that, CTV's Kevin Gallagher is standing by. Kev. This protest is now well into its second week, Evan, and it really shows no signs of letting up. Even yesterday, Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly uh, mentioned that they might have to be preparations for when the weather starts to warm up in the spring and summer. So at the same time the Ottawa Police are making long-term preparations, they're saying the short-term pain of this has been very difficult on their officers. They're feeling overworked and overwhelmed, asking for support from the RCMP and other law enforcement agencies, but also saying flat out that right now the Ottawa police cannot deal with the size and scope of this protest. It's well supplied. They have, uh, you know, fuel coming in, food coming in, uh, bouncy castles and parties that go well into the night as many Ottawa residents are trying to deal with the noise. And as we've seen, this movement not only started here, of course, asking for these restrictions and vaccine mandates to go away, but now, Evan, it's spreading to other major cities across the country. All right, that's CTV's Kevin Gallagher reporting on the latest on the protest. These trucker convoys, well, now they run through the very divided Conservative Party. Amidst all the honking horns of truckers protesting the mandates, the Conservatives held a protest of their own. This one, though, got immediate results, ousting Aaron O'Toole. That means the party is heading into a leadership race. The question, though, isn't just who will lead the party, though that's key. It's what kind of party will it be? One indication may be their new interim leader, Candace Bergen. The longtime MP, she was first elected back in 2008, has, like so many members of her party, like Pierre Polyevre and Andrew Scheer, openly supported the trucking protest. It's a controversial position because the trucker organizers, it's a group called Canada Unity, openly declares on their website, in their memorandum of understanding, that they want to overthrow the government and establish a non-elected committee 
to take over and among other things end all vaccine mandates. You can read it yourself. But Candace Bergen, in her first day on the job, insisted the government should meet with them and offer them an olive branch. We do not need to go through the, the litany of, of racist things that have been done uh, by people who clearly had very poor judgment. But that isn't what we are talking about. We are talking about an impasse on Parliament Hill. There, we, need to, we need to have some solution. There needs to be an olive branch. Where is that? Meantime, in a private email obtained by CTV News and first obtained by the Globe and Mail, Candace Bergen also saw a political opportunity to use the protest for a political gain, saying, I don't think we should be asking them to go home, she told Conservative caucus colleagues. I understand the mood may shift soon, so we need to turn this into the Prime Minister's problem. So is the Conservative Party playing with political fire by supporting the trucker convoy or not? Can they unite around a new leader and what kind of party are they? Let's find out. Joining me now are two Conservative MPs, Marilyn Gladue and Dr. Stephen Ellis. Uh, first of all, great to see both of you. I don't know how much sleep you've had after a tumultuous week on a lot of fronts. Um, so thanks for being here. Marilyn Gladue, let me just start well, with you. How does your party reconcile right now uh, support for the trucker convoy, right? And, and we're talking about your interim leader. As you know, and I've spoken to you about it, the organizers, Canada Unity, the ones who are collecting the $10 million and the signatures, are openly saying they want to overthrow the government. It's still on their website. Are you lending credibility to this kind of group, and what message are you sending to Canadians by doing so? Well, actually, I did go to their webpage after we talked the other day to see, you know, what they did say. And they're calling for the government to stop violating their constitutional rights um, and to resign otherwise. Now, obviously, uh, there are many that would see that as an extreme view. But what we're doing is calling on the prime minister to find a solution and to find a path forward to this. This has been going on. It's been an incredibly long week in Ottawa and uh, you know he needs to step forward and uh, we're willing to work with him our leader said she would work with him on trying to find a solution but we we really need to end you know this protest I, I just I don't want to gloss over that I know you said you, you went on the website the website's clear they have a document it's called the memorandum of understanding if the elected officials both of you don't resign they have one a committee between Canada unity the Senate and the Governor General to form a committee to get rid of the mandates and essentially govern the country. You would be resigning. It's it's important Evan, not. Many it, of the people who are out on the street are not of this opinion. Many of them are just truckers that lost their jobs. Not everybody's part of that of the organizing organization. No, I have people Madam from Gladi my riding era that I talked to. I, I agree. Not part Look of at that. They just want their jobs back. But but I think that's different, and we should be very careful. Uh, obviously, many many people who may have the frustrations and may support the truckers haven't signed this. But you are an elected official. Is it naive to think that you can say, well, I'm not lending credibility to the people who are financially and politically benefiting by standing with them? You're giving them a halo Evan, effect. We've been clear about what we support. We, we don't support the vaccine mandates that cause these truckers to lose their jobs and drive up the supply chain costs, which is driving the prices of groceries up, and you know all of the misery that goes along with that. We've definitely denounced the violence, the you know the incidents, the, the racism, the uh, the things that have gone on, and have called for the truckers to do the same. Okay, but uh, oh, let me go to Dr. Ellis. If conservative MPs and your interim leaders out there supporting them, they're taking pictures with them, they're urging them on. 
And literally the mayor of the city said it's a disgrace when a number of MPs and a conservative senator was out there. So I'm, how do you want a peaceful end to a demonstration that your own interim leader is supporting and the demonstrators themselves say we're not leaving? So can you be specific? Who should but, the Olive Branch be offered to? Is it the organizers? And how do you square the circle of supporting them and then saying, I want it to end? You know, I think the big thing that we understand here is that everyone has the right to a peaceful and respectful protest. And I would suggest, I don't know, uh, that the, the members from my party who are out there speaking to truckers, perhaps are people that they know, people that they feel comfortable with, that, that aren't violent and have a, a valid beef with what's going on, uh, and I think that's important. I have certainly never heard in, in any discussions with my colleagues at caucus or privately that anyone on our team would ever consider that, that someone should overthrow the government. I mean, that's, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but to me that's just inflammatory, and that's not... Uh, the 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 point here. The point here is that no, but, but sir, people I, I came have to. to be, I, I'm going to push back. And, I, I want to yeah, be robust. Ahead. It's not inf if you're suggesting it's inflammatory for me to say, sir. This is we can't ignore the reality. There's big money here. There's ten million dollars no, flowing into an organization who who put the trucks there, who are benefiting from the trucks, and who are getting political support to do so, sir. I, I'm I. I, I, I respectfully. I think this is not no, inflammatory. No, no, this is reality. I think, Evan, the point I'm trying to make is that suggesting that the people, you know, on the Conservative Party who may be out there supporting or speaking, I don't know if they're supporting, that's, that's perhaps not the right word, that are engaging with truckers are the same people that want to overthrow, whatever that means, uh, the government. I'm not sure they're the same people, and that's what I would say is inflammatory right. to, to use that as insinuating that they're the same people. Right. I don't, uh, and, and I don't where, think that they are, the and I can't imagine. Where is the prime minister in all there. of this? Where is the prime minister? He knew they were coming. He did nothing to get a plan in place to keep this from developing. We've had lots of people come and protest on the Hill, lots of extreme views on the left and the right. But, you know, now that they're here, he has been crickets on this whole thing, and he needs to step forward and, and start a diplomatic, peaceful resolution. Let me go back to you, Dr. Ellis. Uh, again, just because you said that you think everyone wants this protest to end peacefully, CTV News and the Globe and Mail obtained an internal email from your new interim leader, Candace Bergen, who says the opposite. She said, I don't think we should be asking them, the protesters, to go home. We need to turn this into the Prime Minister's uh, problem. Sir, is your party using the protest to score political points? You know, I don't believe that there are people in our party that, that don't want this to end peacefully. Uh, you know, that, that's very, I'll use the term un-Canadian. Canadians, as you know, Evan, have been peacemakers around the world, uh, starting back with, uh, with Lester B. Pearson, of course. And I think that that's really, really important that we have a history of that. And that's the style of life that we want to lead here in Canada, that, that people have the ability to respectfully protest and, and Again, and when they don't, we'll call them out on that, as, as members of our party certainly have. Let's go to a different topic, Dr. Ellis, which is your party's now, uh, some say, is in an identity crisis. Uh, you dumped Aaron O'Toole, uh, Andrew Scheer. And what's your sense of, of what the message conservatives are sending to, to, to millions of voters across the country who voted for your party? Uh, obviously, your own party has rejected the vision of Aaron O'Toole. What is the Conservative Party of Canada now? You know, right now, in my view, the Conservative Party of Canada is the government in waiting. 
Uh, we represent all parts of Canada with all different points of view. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, uh, across our party, we're representing many, many different values. And of course, when you put all those values and, and ideas together, sometimes it does get messy. And that's okay, because we want to ensure that we are representing the points of view of all Canadians. Okay. Um but it wasn't clearly good enough to keep Aaron O'Toole. So there, there's clearly dissension in there because you ousted your leader, Marilyn Gladue. It's hard to put a, a fresh coat of blue paint over that. If there's so much internal division, what message does that send to Canadians? Well, I think that, you know, the, the fractions were clear in the media, but as soon as Candace Bergen was named our interim leader, the mood totally changed in our caucus and everybody is very happy to be behind her. And I think we're returning to our grassroots. We have always been a grassroots movement. And the policies of the grassroots are clear. We're the party of fiscal responsibility. We're the party of the rule of law, social compassion, environmental stewardship, sovereignty of Canada, standing with our allies. That's who the Conservative Party so has So what will been. happen, so and I'm just, uh, some of the divisive issues for Aaron O'Toole, let's be frank, where he put a price on carbon. A lot of your MPs have hated it. Uh, does that survive? Well, I think that's the discussion that needs to be held under the new leader, because um, whenever you're going to look at your policies, we obviously reflected on, on what resonated and what didn't. And there was definitely an issue over the carbon tax. Now, certainly everyone was behind meeting the 2030 Paris targets and getting to net zero by 2050. And it's really a discussion about how we want to get there. Marilyn Gladue, Stephen Ellis, I, I really appreciate both of you after a, a very wild week for your party. And frankly, in the country, uh, we always appreciate your voice. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, Evan. Have a great day. When we come back, ending the protests or ending the mandates, can the federal government do anything more to help end these demonstrations, or do they have to start rolling back at least the federal vaccine mandates? We'll find out from the Public Safety Minister, Marco Mendicino, who joins us next. Stay right here with Question Period. Well, it's suddenly become something of a serious trucker protest palooza the trucker protest in the national capital has now spread to alberta toronto and quebec city shows no sign of ending the protesters want among many demands an end to all vaccine mandates federal and provincial the organizers also want essentially to overthrow the elected government that is on the canada unity website which you can check out the conservatives have urged the government to offer the protesters an olive branch and have a plan to end the protests so what is the federal plan? Can more be done to de-escalate? Is it time for the federal government to lay out some kind of post-pandemic future? Let's find out. Joining me now is the Public Safety Minister, Marco Mendicino. Minister, good to have you back on the program. The RCMP is now sending more officers to help with the ongoing convoy, convoy in Ottawa on the protest there. Um, the police have said that this is slipping beyond their control. It may not, it may be beyond the police mandate. What security forces are needed now to handle this? Well, uh, first and foremost, I, I want to say that the RCMP has been there uh, working closely with the Ottawa Police Service, which is the police of jurisdiction. I had a conversation with Bear Jim Watson, where he articulated a request for support. After that, I was able to confirm the RCMP will be adding boots to the ground to contribute additional support as part of a surge of enforcement, which we need, Evan. You've seen what it's like on the ground. It's very troubling. 
There have been uh, plenty of examples of, of threatening, intimidation. We've seen Confederate flags and swastikas flying on the hill. It's unacceptable. And for a convoy that said that they were about freedom, uh, many, many examples where they're stripping away the freedoms of the good people who live in Ottawa. We now, live now, in now, a country that is based on the rule of laws. And look, people are entitled to have the law enforced. No one is above the rule of law. And okay, but there's a question about why the law is not being enforced. So there's one. And a lot of folks who are frustrated that they that this has happened. It's been allowed to go on for seven days. There's, people are not getting prosecuted for breaking that. And they lay this at the feet of you and your government. Why? They say when you remove the exemption at the border for cross-border trucking, which was the spark that started these protests, you didn't see this coming. You underestimate it. You should have had a smoother rollout. You shouldn't have demonized those who didn't want to get unvaxxed. And you polarized it, causing this. What's your response to that? There, there's no justification for violence. There's no justification for going out and threatening and intimidating. And there's certainly no justification for the expressions of hate that we have seen on Parliament Hill, the cradle of our democracy. So you can disagree with vaccinations. You can disagree with vaccination mandates. That's part uh, of, of a democracy. But it never entitles you to strip away the freedoms and the liberties to the extent that we have seen. Minister, the police chief in Ottawa said there's money coming in from the United States to support this protest. We also know that the enforcement agencies are working with the U.S. Homeland Security. Can Give us an, a sense of what specific threats would Homeland Security in the U.S. be worried about? What kind of money is coming in? Give us a sense of who's supporting this and what you know right now. Well, it wouldn't be for me to comment on an ongoing investigation, uh, but I will say this, that, you know, in the abstract, anytime that you have money coming in that could be used uh, to undermine public safety, that there are important questions to be asked about where that money is coming from and what it's being used. And certainly, uh, if there is evidence, then uh, we fully expect that the right. police will take the appropriate steps. I also think it's an important development that, as we see in reports, that GoFundMe has said that they're going to be turning that money back. Uh, certainly, from their point of view, that means that they had sufficient concerns as to the sources of where of, of, of what those contri contributions were. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, um, we trust the police will will follow that uh, evidence. Let's just talk about it. GoFundMe is. Uh frozen the $9 million. They've distributed a million dollars, and now they're saying that they've frozen the $9 million. They're deeply concerned about where it's going and where it's come from, and they may send it to charities. They're saying we have evidence from law enforcement that previously peaceful demonstrations have become an occupation with police reports of violence and other unlawful activity. Can you give us a sense of, of was your government involved working with GoFundMe? And I know MPs have invited representatives of GoFundMe to testify. What questions do you have? Well, look, the committee will do its work independently, and I'm uh, happy to uh, to see that they are going to be studying what is a very uh, concerning issue. And I think that the statement that you read out uh, from GoFundMe and the reports that have flowed uh, speak for themselves. I mean, clearly there were flags. There were flags as to uh, what the source of those funds were. And I think there were equally, uh, very likely, if you, on a plain reading of GoFundMe statement, there were real concerns about what that money would be used towards. And this is obviously uh, completely in contrast to the statements that were being made by some of the leaders of this convoy. A lot of people are saying, okay, I want a plan from your side. What's the plan to get out of this? A lot of people have done their bit. They say, you know, freedom should belong to the vaccinated who took the jab once, twice, three times. Uh, they're still under restrictions, but they want, they're frustrated as well. 
does the federal government have an obligation to set out a better plan to tell a lot of frustrated folks who may not like the convoy, but we need a plan out of this? Uh, Evan, uh, throughout the pandemic, we've been very transparent and laid out the case for our strategy to deal with the pandemic, and that is vaccinations, and the evidence has resolved that debate. You can hold a vigorous disagreement. You can say you want to ignore the evidence, but what you can't then do is take that disagreement and manifest it in the kind of significant disruption and flagrant disregard for the law and the blockades well, but, but at but borders. But sir, no, but sir, but sir, hang on. on the I, but let's be fair. There was not, there was an exemption for cross-border truckers until two weeks ago. Like, let's be clear. Uh, advocating for vaccines and having a mandate are two different things. Is the government at all considering changing any mandates? Evan, throughout uh, the course of the pandemic, we've followed the best advice that we've gotten. We've had restrictions in place. In some cases, we've lifted them. That's always been our North Star. Uh, North Star, I beg your pardon. Look, I'm an optimist. I think at the end of the day, we want to all get back to life as normal. All we're saying as a government is that we believe vaccinations is the gateway to that. And Evan, I mean, to your point about transparency and leadership, we put this on the ballot and we gave Canadians the freedom to choose. And they chose vaccines and they and, and to 90%, we've taken it up. Truckers to 90% have taken up vaccinations. Right. Now the small minority that don't want to agree and don't want to make the sacrifices that we have made, they're, they're fine to hold that view. But what they can't do is strip away freedoms right. From other Canadians. All right, uh, Marco Mendicino, Public Safety Minister, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. In the middle of a very cold winter, our pandemic politics reaching a boiling point. Well, the ongoing trucker protest here in Ottawa, the one that's fighting against, among other things, vaccine mandates and restrictions, doesn't show any signs of going away. There's new protests in Toronto and Quebec City. And a new poll from Angus Reid shows the majority of Canadians want restrictions lifted now, 54% saying they agree with that. How should governments address the next phase of the pandemic? And what should be done now to deal with the ongoing trucker demonstrations and occupations? Let's find out. Joining me now is NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. A uh, lot's going on politically, but just let's start personally. Congratulations on the baby and your, your, your family growing. Good to see you. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the protest. Uh, this is a big deal. Uh, the new interim leader for the Conservatives, Candace Bergen, has asked the government to, quote, offer the trucker protesters on Parliament Hill a, quote, olive branch. Liberals say, no, we're, we're not negotiating them. Um, they support the police. If you were the prime minister right now, what would you do to end the protest? Okay, well, there's a couple of things. First, we want to be really clear. There are some hateful, uh, completely wrong elements of this protest that I fully denounce, and I've denounced from the beginning. I do want to separate that, which is completely unacceptable. The situation is untenable for people in Ottawa. The kids can't go to school. Businesses are shut down. Uh, small businesses aren't being able to reopen, even though there is a reopening. And people feel locked in their homes and they feel afraid. And that, that's just wrong. There is a sentiment out there in Canada where people are frustrated with the pandemic. And I want to just say that people are right to be frustrated. It's been a long time. They're angry. But they're also specifically angry about the fact they can't find a, a home they can afford. Groceries are going up. 
Uh, their healthcare system isn't there for their loved ones when they need it. And we need to fix those problems. And there needs to be a clear plan. What does it look like to get out of this pandemic? And I think those things need to be done. I think Mr. Trudeau hasn't really shown that leadership to provide that plan to the broader Canadian uh, but specifically, like, like, but, but there's a protest. There's an occupation going on. Uh, and the demands are lift the mandates now. If you were in office, what, you know, this is not a long, he's, the housing issue is a real issue. I'm not going to do, but it's not the, it, that's not the issue on the Hill right now. How would you do it? People are, you know, we're in a minority government. If you were the prime minister, what would you do right now? Well, the reason why I make this connection to the broader kind of anger that Canadians are feeling is because uh, there are people, surprisingly, that are kind of showing an affinity for what is otherwise a completely wrong uh, organizers that are completely wrong, elements of this protest are completely wrong, but there seems to be some support amongst broader Canadians. And I feel like if we address the, the fact that Canadians are frustrated, they are angry, they want to plan out of this pandemic, they don't know what that looks like, they've gotten vaccinated, but there isn't actually any so what are you saying light at the end of the I, I know but do you, the, the provinces are saying it is the science tables and the healthcare leaders who are saying the reason we have these restrictions is because our icus and hospitals were overwhelmed now the numbers are going down do you have a sense that okay once the icus can handle capacity do you what and mask mandates do you end mandatory mandates for uh, cross-border truckers do and mandatory mandates for federal workers like would you put that stuff on the table sir well i wouldn't put it on the table with these folks that are that are holding ottawa hostage but i do want canadians to have a sense of what is the plan and i feel like people don't know what the plan is and i feel like that does create frustration and that frustration emboldens people and it can be used in, and misused to exploit that anger that people feel and channel it in the wrong direction you, you pointed this out and you're absolutely right the, the folks that are protesting mandates are protesting Ottawa when all these mandates are actually provincial. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what Mr. Trudeau could do is provide some national leadership. Here is what the plan looks like for us to get out of this. Here is what a, a post-COVID uh, scenario is going to look like. What do you think of Conservative members of Parliament going out, look, everyone's got the right to peacefully protest, and saying these are just peaceful protesters, they're good Canadians, they're going out there, they're supporting this trucker protest, they're taking pictures and they're tweeting about it, and they are supporting this, even though the Premier, the Mayor, and the federal government have said this is, this is not the protest to support. What do you make of Conservatives supporting them openly? Uh, I think Conservatives are, are, have taken a, a wrong course here. They're, they're emboldening um, some, of the, some of the worst of what we've seen in their actions. They're not making it clear that it's wrong to have organizers of this be openly uh, divisive and hateful. Uh, they've taken a position that's really emboldening some of the worst behavior. And, and I think that's the wrong approach. I just want your comment on this. The Globe and Mail first obtained and then CTV confirmed this letter from the interim uh, conservative leader, Candace Bergen. She wrote to Aaron O'Toole's senior leadership team when she was the deputy leader, this is just last Monday. And she said, quote, I don't think we should be asking them, the protesters, to go home. I understand the mood she later wrote may shift soon, so we need to turn this into the Prime Minister's problem. What does that tell you about uh, her approach to this? Well, and this is really important, and this is something I wanted to say earlier, and I'm really glad to have the opportunity. I think on both sides, the Conservatives are clearly using this. They're, they're weaponizing this convoy. They're using it for political gain. And the Liberals are also not, not uh, innocent here. They're also looking at this as a wedge issue. 
I want us to look at this. This is the pandemic. This is the frustration of people. This is a situation that's very tense. It's not something to be used as a game. It's not something to be weaponized. It's not something to be manipulated for our personal gain. Mr. Singh, one of your members, Peter Julian, tabled a private member's bill that um, would prevent anyone from selling or displaying symbols that promote hatred, like the Confederate flag or the swastika. Now, we already have Section 319 of the Criminal Code that bans that kind of thing in general, not in specific. Why does the why should there be a more specific law needed when we already have tools to do those things? Well, what we're seeing is uh, that hate is being emboldened, and I've always said from the beginning that hate is very much like a fire. Once it's allowed to take hold, it spreads and it starts consuming everything. If it's okay to hate someone based on their religion, it's okay to hate someone based on their gender, their sexuality, their language, where they come from. And so we need to stop hate in its tracks. And one of the things that we know is a, is a kind of a, a flashpoint for mobilizing people are, are certain symbols of hate. And that's why we've been really specific. There are three symbols of hate that we wanna see banned in Canada. They've got no place in Canada. And there's broad consensus on this. The swastika, Confederate flags, and anything around the KKK. Where do you find the, the reasonable limit to balance the freedom of expression where you have to defend things you don't like and all of a sudden the government's saying, you know what, we're going to start banning things? Well, I think these three symbols, it's very clear what they stand for and it's very clear they should not have any place in Canada. And that's where we, we're limiting this to a very specific set of symbols, those three. And I think it's the right thing to do. I think it sends a clear message. I should say in the proposed legislation for people that are interested, uh, if it's used for educational purposes or in a film like that, it, it would be allowed. So that doesn't ban that, just for the record. I do have to leave it there. Uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, good to have you back on the program. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, still to come, conservatives in crisis. What comes next for the Conservative Party after ousting their leader? Can they unite around a new leader? And is it a political mistake to align with the trucker convoy? Former Conservative Cabinet Minister James Moore joins us as a special guest on the Scrum. Stay right here with Question Period. So this is what an identity crisis in politics looks like. Taking out Aaron O'Toole after giving him only 17 months on the job, then heading into another leadership race. It's messy. It's divisive, and there's no end in sight. We're a party of factions. This is a conservative party of Canada. We've been fighting like this for decades. You know, we're a grassroots party, and sometimes uh, those, changes, uh, those changes happen quickly. It's uh, going to be a bloody tough job. So in the post-Aaron O'Toole era, what comes now for the conservative party? Is it the progressive conservative party of Brian Mulroney, the one that Aaron O'Toole finally settled on when he temporarily picked a political lane, something he could never quite seem to do? Or is it the Western Conservative Party of Stephen Harper? Or will it be a harder right populist party, the one that the new interim leader, Candace Bergen, champions with her, her support of the trucker protests and pictures of her wearing the Make America Great hat again? Who will lead this party? Will it be Conservative MP Pierre Polyevre? Or will it be a social conservative like Leslin Lewis or a centrist like Michael Chong or former MP and current mayor Patrick Brown or someone else? And is it a political mistake to attach the party too closely to the trucker protest? To talk about all this, the scrum is here. Bob Fife, the Globe and Mail's Ottawa Bureau Chief is here. Stephanie Levitz, a reporter with the Toronto Star is here. And our special guest this round, former Conservative Cabinet Minister James Moore. A good morning to everyone. 
Morning. I guess uh, politics and news doesn't get any wilder than the last little while, James. Um, we're already talking about the post-Aaron O'Toole era. What is the big challenge facing the Conservative Party of Canada in, in the wake of what's happened? The Conservative Party was founded by Stephen Harper and Peter McKay, and Stephen Harper led and, and dominated the party in its temperament, its tone, its substance, its values, its mores for over a decade. And when Stephen Harper left in 2015 as Prime Minister and then Parliament in 2016, the party has struggled, frankly, to find its footing. Um, it's, it still has over 100 members of Parliament, talented men and women from across the country. But in terms of its focus, I think the fundamental question going forward is, does, does this party really want to govern Canada? Does it want to be continental in scope? Does it want to respect our official languages? Does it want to have a contemporary platform that speaks to the needs of Canadians? Or does it want to stick to an ideological lane and try to force Canadians to its worldview? And maybe, Steph, expand the base instead of just consolidating. And what, in your view, Stephanie Levitz, what message does the ousting of Aaron O'Toole send and, and what are the challenges ahead? Well, what, one of the messages is how important leadership is in a political movement, that you, you cannot be seen to be disrespecting or dismissing your caucus members. You have to find a way to keep them on side, keep them united. I mean, it was clear in the waning days of Aaron O'Toole's leadership that there really was no one straw that broke the camel's back. As one member of parliament said to me, for there to have been one straw, it would have meant the camel's back was pretty weak in the first place. And which is to say, there were a lot of things happening to Aaron O'Toole over the tenure of his leadership, and he kept making the same mistakes over and over again. Now you have a party that is not in government, trying to find their way and trying to do two things at the exact same time, be the effective official opposition and figure out who they are as a movement. And that, that's two things to do simultaneously in an era where that's becoming increasingly difficult to do. Yeah, Bob Wayne, look, th things are different than when Stephen Harper lost the 2015 election, but, but who's ready to step in and lead it? And, and what kind of party are they leading? Well, the, the real question is what kind of a party are they, they, are they leading? Uh, with Mr. Harper, you had uh, a, a, a strong conservative leader who set out a direction for the party that was law and order, strong national defense, uh, economic prosperity, keep, uh, keeping the deficit under control. What we have now, it looks like, uh, at least what we've seen in the last week, is a conservative party that seems to be morphing into the crazy Republican party of Donald Trump. Uh, you have uh, the interim leader, uh, Candace Bergen, who was out there supporting uh, these uh, so-called truckers, which, by the way, the vast majority of Canadian truckers are vaccinated and they're not up on Parliament Hill. Uh, you have uh, Andrew Scheer, the former leader, and some of his caucus colleagues taking pictures uh, with these uh, truckers, who, who, by the way, are, uh, their, their horns are honking all the time. It's making life miserable for people in this city. They are defecating on people's front yards. They are, they're doing uh, firecrackers at night. This is all madness. The Globe first reported and CTV also obtained this memo where, where Candace Bergen, the interim leader, had sent that memo to Aaron O'Toole's team saying, I don't think we should be asking the protesters to go home. We should turn this into a PM's problem, looking like she was using this as a political wedge issue. And, 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 and then talk about Pierre Polyevra openly saying, uh, this basically are people that I support. Is there is there danger in that, or is that a smart strategy? In the short term, I think there's enormous danger in that because it's not where the public is. It's not where the majority of Conservative Party voters are. We'll see what the composition of the membership of the party looks like after a leadership race, but I think there's real danger in that. Look, um, the miracle cure and the benefit of these vaccines have saved uh, countless lives. It's, it's kept our morgues from overflowing. It has been a blessing um, that has allowed my 
disabled and immune compromised son to be able to go back to school. I am thankful that I am vaccinated. I'm thankful that he is vaccinated. I'm thankful that there's a mandate that the teachers at his school be vaccinated so he can go to school and have a chance. Um, there's no vendetta uh, of, of vaccines out there. Your party's that is not the message we hear from the Conservative Party, to be honest. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think you're hearing increasing voices of, of, of people who are concerned. You, you see, frankly, so far, silence from from Conservative premiers publicly. But I think uh, I think privately they are gritting their teeth at, you know, this this perception that the Conservative movement is anti-vaccination. It is not the truth that Conservative Party voters, Conservative Party members and and, and frankly, I think probably a plurality of Conservative Party members of Parliament um, hold that view. You saw Pierre Paul Hughes, for example, a leader in the Conservative caucus from Quebec, talking about um, the irresponsibility of these people who are squatting and embarrassing the G7 capital of Canada on a global stage as the Olympics are about to start with this trucker protest that I think has gotten out of control. It's time for them to go home. And I, and I think increasingly voices are going to emerge to say, look, um, you know, we have to be, by the way, Conservatives, we will govern at some point. And if you sanction this kind of behavior when you're in opposition, when you're in government, these kind of protests will come times 10 when we form government, which will make governing this country mm. near impossible. Uh, last word on this one, uh, Bob. What, what do you make of the politics of this? Well, I think the politics is disastrous for the Conservatives. I just don't understand why they would associate themselves with these people who don't represent the majority, the vast majority of Canadian truckers. And, you know, sprinkled inside that group are white supremacists, uh, flying Confederate flags, Nazi uh, flags. Uh, why in heaven's name does the Conservative Party, a party of law and order, want to be associated with this? And yet they are out there supporting them. And, you know, I, I am, I've talked to so many disillusioned Conservatives are wondering whether they should give up their membership. D you know, just on Friday, Senator uh, Dennis Patterson quit the Conservative caucus in the Senate over this. He just so dumbfounded that the party would be in this, moving in this kind of direction. All right, uh, I gotta take a break here. James Moore, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. I know Bob and Steph are gonna stick around after the break. We're gonna talk more about the pandemic political blowback. Do these trucker convoys reflect a growing frustration across Canada with restrictions that could hurt all political parties? Angus Reid Institute President Shachi Curl joins us as our special guest. Stay right here with Question Period. Look, if these trucker protests have done anything, they've certainly made the COVID restrictions the number one political issue. But are the protests tapping into a deeper frustration across the country? Or are they alienating the almost 90% of Canadians who got the vaccine in order to end this and, yes, get their freedom? So how should all parties approach what many hope are the final months of the pandemic? And for the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is his stance on the mandates starting to hurt him? Talk more about the politics of the pandemic. The Scrum returns. Bob Fife, the Globe and Mail's Ottawa Bureau Chief, is back. So is Stephanie Levitz, the reporter with the Toronto Star. And our special guest this round is Pollster Shachi Curl, president of the Angus Reid Institute. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to you, Shach. Um, You've, got, you've been polling Canadians' attitudes towards uh, not only their governments, but also this restriction. Everyone's trying to figure out, are the truckers tapping into uh, a real issue, or is they, as Justin Trudeau calls them, a fringe group? 
I would not call it a fringe group. I would say that based on the polling that we're seeing, most recently 54% of Canadians, and so that includes a lot of those people who rolled up their sleeves to get vaccinated not once, not twice, but three times in some cases, are ready for a conversation about whether it's time to start lifting and ending restrictions. And the same thing on uh, federal mandates, particularly for truckers, so those two things combined to me say that, Evan, you know, you've got the people who are really impassioned, really all in, very angry. And then you've got a much larger group representing millions of Canadians. Uh, and, and as I say, across the political divide, who are now saying, you know what, I could be ready to see mm. restrictions lifting. There is a sense of in, in inevitability uh, and, and fatigue yeah. around uh, the pandemic. We, we talked a lot about the conservatives hewing closely to the trucker protests and, and the potential hazards of doing that. But then you got Justin Trudeau on the other side, you know, saying this is a fringe group. What are the hazards of his position as provinces are starting to lift restrictions? I know truckers are starting to take credit for it, even though they, the unvaccinated may have actually exacerbated the situation. Nonetheless, they're claiming victory on something that public health people are saying, actually, the victory belongs to the vaccinated. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that the most salient point? That at the end of the day, if we can lift restrictions, it's because people did the, what was asked of them and felt comfortable and trusting enough to get those vaccines in their arms. You know, the problem that Justin Trudeau has created, I think going back uh, several months now, is the politicization of vaccines in the first place. That was the, you know, the wrong foot off the top to try and use vaccines as a wedge issue, to try and paint people who were hesitant um, or scared at a point in time, I'm going to say several, several months ago, to paint them as some kind of fringe lunacy movement. And one wonders with a gentler political touch. I mean, remember when all the political leaders stood together and filmed a video right. about how important it was to get vaccinated? What happened to that? What happened to us being able to nationally say, let's do this together as a country? What happened to it was a federal election and politics, and that's where we are today. Yeah, Bob, uh, provinces are starting to roll back restrictions. Now, some of them, like Ontario and Quebec, know there's elections coming, and, and I don't know if there's any more votes left in more restrictions. People might be fed up, but how do you separate people who are fed up with restrictions and supporting the protest, and how does that cut politically outside of the Conservatives' position? Well, look, uh, the vast majority of Canadians have been vaccinated. They, they did their duty. 80% of Canadians have had one vaccination shot. 79%, I believe, have had two. And a little over 50% have had their booster shot. Everybody, and myself included, have had a third shot. I'm fed up with these restrictions. I think there is no way anybody is going to go back to any more of these lockdowns. The public is fed up. I'm fed up. Whether you're anti-vax or not anti-vax, people are fed up. We want to get back to living our lives. But we also want to do it in a safe way. Make sure you got vaccinated. Wear a mask when you need to wear a mask. And, and keep distance from people you don't know. It's just common sense. Okay, so Shachi... We got these trucker protests and, you know, that's what the news is following. But essentially they're timed at a moment where restrictions are easing anyway, as we say. Are Canadians starting to shift their attention away from pandemic stuff and back to economic factors? When you look at what Canadians want to hear now from politicians and look, the Conservatives are about to go into a race. Justin Trudeau may have to reinvent uh, himself after three terms here. What do Canadians care about right now? What's the burning issue? 
Well, those those are the burning issues along with pandemic management that still hasn't gone away as a top issue. But layer into that now the added challenges around inflation. This is a huge issue, a cost of a liter of gasoline. Hey, I'm talking to you from Vancouver, where it's been $1.70 for a while now. Ontario's freaking out about a buck fifty. We've got new data out showing 60 percent of Canadians feel like the federal government does not care about the issues that, that are important to mm. them. They feel disengaged. And they also feel like the state of political discourse is not in a great place. Again, evenly divided over whether they think Canada's got a good system of government and also divided over whether there's any room for political compromise in this country. Uh, Canadians are starting to look for answers about the beyond and the what comes next. And frankly, you know, it's not, it's it's a scary time for, for legislators and lawmakers because there are a lot of issues mm. coming at them, a lot of thorny ones, a lot of ones that do not have easy political wins. They're going to have to grapple with them anyway. Yeah, Steph, uh, what is the biggest challenge right now for the Trudeau government as they're, they're set for yet another budget? Um, are they still stuck in kind of Omicron chaos? You know, remember, um, I, I don't know how recently it was, but a few months ago when everyone saw the end of the pandemic, they thought it was coming and it was all going to be roaring 20s. Everybody predicted that, right? We were all going to run out in our flapper dresses and our big, long stretches of, of pearls and, and have a roaring good time on the streets and start spending all this money and just be happy about everything. And I think what we're failing to realize, or perhaps we're getting to realize, is that this has been almost two years now of trauma, national trauma. People are traumatized. They've been traumatized by, by death, by illness, by losing their jobs by the, over the economy. You have the, the specter of war in Eastern Europe. This happiness, this euphoria is not there. And so how does a, a government right. um, and a government in waiting try and give people that message of hope and positivity going forward when right now people are so tired, so angry, so frustrated and, and don't see a path forward. All right, uh, Shachi Curl, Bob Fife, Steph Levitz, man. Enough news for the three of you? Are you sure you didn't get enough news all week? Uh, there's more to Make come. Make it stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I will pray for a slow news That's right. day. If it stops, everyone gets uh, a, a flapper dress. That is a uh, question period <laughs> for this week. Uh, look, what a week it was. The Conservatives need a new leader. The trucker protests go ever onward. And the grip of the pandemic. Uh, who did the nation turn its lonely eyes to now? That is the political question for the months to come, and we will be following it. But as I always like to say, turn your eyes to your loved ones and hug your loved ones. I'll see you on Power Play tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on CTV News Channel. And we will be back here in seven short days. Thanks for watching.